1: University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best
2: and yours. Schedule your appointment now at slash care to be great. You're locked on to Hans Sultan and Scotty Chin Chin That's right, yeah! On 97.5, the KSL Sports Up.
3: Hans Olsen, Scott Gerrard, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. This guy is sick of talking to me. He has to chat with me all the time. But, you know what? What a dog. He doesn't get a chance to chat with Hans Olsen very often. Joining us now, Stephen Ashworth from the Utah State men's basketball team. Kind enough to join us. Huge game coming up tomorrow. Utah State, Boise State. Stephen, how
1: are you? What's up, Stephen? What's up, Ben? Scotty, how are you guys doing? Man, it's good to hear from you. Well, we're doing great, but you're doing better, brother. What a season you've had. This has got to be a lot of fun for you.
4: Yeah, it's definitely been a super fun year. Uh, I have a lot of positive uh, moments and experiences and, you know, playing with the team that we've got, it's just something that I enjoy going into practice, enjoy going into workouts every single day, and then obviously performing at a high level and playing in front of the best fans in the country is is just, you know, the cherry on top. So it's been it's been a super fun year. It's
3: been a minute since you played Boise. Uh, I don't want to say you've had that game circled, but I know that you've been uh, you and the rest of that team have been dying for another crack at those guys.
4: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. They're a, a really well coached and uh, you know well performing team in the conference, and you know they're the previous champs of last season, and so it's definitely an opportunity that I think we are really excited for, and um, it's going to be a lot of fun in the Spectrum, having the fans sell out the. The place is going to be huge, and so, like you mentioned, it's. I don't know if it's as much about circling it as you know. It's you know one of the next games and our last game before the conference tournament, and so it's definitely something that we've been looking forward to.
1: So, Stephen, I I know there's a couple of different areas that try to claim you. Highland tries to claim you. Uh, I know Alpine people try to claim you. Uh, I know that you spent some time up in my uncle's neck of the woods, but I'm curious what. what what was it like growing up, essentially in Alpine, right? What was it like growing up in Alpine, and and at mm-hmm. what point did you start to figure, this is my direction in life?
4: Yeah, so I um I grew up, actually, my older brother was about to go to Tempew, and then we moved up to, so I, I live in Highland. Um, most of the time I tell people I'm from Alpine because every time I told somebody I'm from Highland, <laughs> they asked me about rugby and I was a basketball guy. And I was, you know, I was like, no, different Highland, not Salt Lake City. So, so it just became a longer intro to the conversation we were going to have. So when I said Alpine um, and Lone Peak, they instantly kind of knew the geographical area where I was. And so the house that I grew up in um, from basically the age I was five was right on the Highland-Alpine border. Um, and so it's really close to, so, you know, tight-knit community down there and, I, um, growing up, I loved basketball and I knew that basketball was going to be something that I wanted to pursue. I think towards the, you know, sixth, seventh, eighth grade kind of really came the decision for me. Um, a lot of my coaches felt like I could be a really good wide receiver in football. And, um, I had, you know, the speed and athleticism to, to run routes well. And so that was super fun for me. But at the end of the day, I was tired of getting hit and I was tired of blocking and so I felt like basketball was going to be my best bet. Um, and so I really, right after probably my eighth grade year, I quit football and focused fully on basketball um, all year round and um, was really when I kind of started making the strides that that I wanted to become a, a Division One college basketball player. And I'd had those dreams for a really long time, but I think that that time was when I was really able to put the time in that allowed me to get to where I am today.
3: So you and I have talked a little bit about this before but uh you know and I told you the story about Tarvish Felton uh who's now at uh New Mexico uh watching you yeah. warm up and he and I were talking he's like Tell you what, you look over there, Ashworth, you take the kid out of Lone Peak. You can't take Lone Peak out of the kid. Like that kid plays a lot of swagger and you play it When you do play at Lone Peak, especially during that era, you know, coming off the big three and then the success that you and Frank Jackson and other guys had there, like there was, there was a level where you took everybody's best shot. And I think you carried that same kind of attitude and swagger. And I don't mean those in derogatory terms at all, but you take that kind of confidence with you to the next level.
4: Absolutely. I, uh, you know, I think that's what makes me who I am. Um, and, you know, Coach Crawford is, um, you know, somebody who really I've spent a lot of time with in the offseason and, you know, just chatting. Um, and he always has some good basketball advice and life advice. And one of the things he tells me often is just be yourself. You don't have to be anybody else. You are exactly what the team needs in order to accomplish all of your personal and team goals. And so I think but by just hearing those types of things and then also the environment in which I grew up, I've become very confident with that swagger and with that confidence and being able to know that um, if a shot needs to be hit, I have the confidence to take it uh, and live with the result. And obviously, you know, you have to spend the time in order to have that confidence and uh, put in the work and able to do it. And so um, I think that Lone Peak... Basketball was definitely a huge catalyst for me in all of those um, aspects of basketball.
1: All right, Stephen, I need you to unlock the mystery of something for me. How, I'd love to. Oh, please! If if you've got the if you've got the answers to this, it's going to help so many people out there. Okay. How, how is how can you be six one but play like you're six six? because there's 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 something unique to a guy that's built like you but's on a court with a bunch of giants but just plays like a giant. What's the secret to playing like you're six six when you're six one
4: that's a good question i i I hear that I think um, every now and again about how I play much bigger than my size, and I think that part of it is that you can't think about it um You know, people will tell me all the time how I'm undersized or maybe I don't fit the eye test or things like that. But to me, like, I've always felt like I was the right size and that I fit the eye test. Like, I didn't feel like I needed to be anything else. And so I've always had that confidence that whatever I want to go accomplish on the court, I can. And so I think that if there's a loose ball and I got to jump up and get a rebound, I can go and and try to grab it or – you know if a 6 7 guys trying to post me up I feel like I'm I'm big enough in order to guard him and sometimes you know you watch the film back and you see like all right Steven yeah you kind of just got bullied there but <laughs> it doesn't happen often and I think it's because of that confidence and also just maybe the you know unawareness of myself and what I really might look like to others and so um I think but as you know kids from from Utah uh especially you know six foot six one five eleven whatever they want to call me out there um you're gonna have to prove some people wrong and you can do it in a lot of different ways you can do it by spending a lot of time in the gym or just playing harder than anybody else and you know when when I'm out there on the court I try to give it my all and coach Odom has a lot of trust in his players and he tells us all the time like hey if you need a blow let me know and I'll get you right back out there and so that's what I try to you know, live by out there on the court, just making sure that every single play, I'm giving it that maximum effort.
3: Steven Ashworth uh, joining us, Utah State. Absolutely huge game coming up tomorrow against uh, Boise State. And I was talking to Coach Odom in our pregame conversation a couple of games ago, and I asked him, do you talk about the bubble stuff and Lenardi and all that other nonsense out there? Do you try to insulate your team from it? And he's like, look, there's no way in this day and age you can insulate your players from it. So yeah, we talk about it. We acknowledge it. And we understand that we have goals out there. But how do you handle all of the talk about, oh, they've got to get this win or they have to do this if they're going to be do you try to avoid it or do you do you, do you consume it? What's that like for you as a player?
4: Yeah, I think it's definitely, as Coach Odom said, you can't really protect us from it. I mean, we all have digital devices and it's everywhere you look. And I think Coach Odom and and the whole staff has done a great job this year of just being honest and open about it giving us a little advice here and there of, you know, if you really look at the the demographics of the bracketology and the bubble and all those things, it's just like any other media. Um, You're wanting to get views, you're wanting to get clicks, and so... You know, I think when you look at it from the perspective of, hey, is this like actually what it is or is this more so every single day changing up what it's looking like so that more people will talk about it, more people will question why they were a four seed one night and a six seed the next night. Um, And studying marketing myself, I totally understand that. And it makes a lot of sense to me before Selection Sunday why there would be a lot of buzz and hype around the bubble and different things because it is the greatest event in sports with March Madness. And so you want to create buzz about it. And so personally, you know, I'm really confident with the resume that we've built. I think that the metrics are in our favor. And I also think just the, the raw talent and uh, performances that we've had are in our favor as well, as well as the fact that the mountain West is one of the top five leagues in the uh, country. I think it goes to show with how well we've done this year And then we have opportunities still left at hand. Um, You know, one of the things that we talk about a lot and have confidence in is that no matter what anybody else says, we control the last three games of our season. And, you know, we can make it so that nobody else can decide whether or not we end. And so, you know, that's one of our goals. It's been one of our goals throughout the whole years to win a Mountain West championship. And unfortunately, we're in a spot um, right now where we can't win the regular season title, but um, we're still competing for a, a high seed for that conference tournament and then still have that goal to go to go win it down in Vegas. And so from that perspective, I think w- the team has really done a great job of just focusing on improving ourselves and worrying about what we can control and then let the, uh, you know, I guess since we're in Vegas, we'll say let the cards fall where they may.
1: <laughs> so, Stephen, I got married in between my junior and senior year at BYU playing football down there. Uh-huh. And I know that you got married, I believe it was after your freshman season, right?
4: It was. Okay. Yep, it was.
1: So how does college sports change for an athlete after marriage? Is it easier, more difficult? How much did it change for you throwing marriage into the mix while being a college and, athlete? And be careful. She might be listening to.
4: <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, in some ways, it's been a lot easier, um, and I know she actually isn't listening right now because she's the breadwinner of the family. <laughs>
2: yes,
1: um, so was my so, wife too.
4: She yeah, was. Exactly, she had to make right? the money. So yeah, we married up, Hans. Huh? We definitely did. Absolutely. And so, um, in that in that regard, just from a financial standpoint, as an athlete, obviously, you know, name, image, and likeness has, has helped out quite a bit. Um, but I remember my freshman year of. Really figuring out finances and having to pay rent and you know buy groceries for myself and things like that. And then I got married and I had a whole nother second hand helping with rent and groceries and everything. And so that relieved some stress and allowed me to kind of just focus on basketball and school. And another thing is that coming home from you know games, whether it's win or losses, it's just so much more enjoyable having somebody that you know is really. In it with me, and I feel like we um, share our goals really well, and we're on the same page when it comes to um, all of those types of things. And she pushes me a lot. Um, you know, maybe when I'm talking down on myself, but at, at home, she reminds me of some of the things that I've accomplished and what, some of the things that I've said I want to go do. And she reminds me that in those moments, if I'm saying stuff like that, that that's not going to get me where I want to go. And so she'll get me out of those ruts, and then. She'll actually uh, kind of take me to the gym and rebound for me, and those too, which has been a, a huge blessing to have, you know, somebody like Peyton who just supports me in what I want to accomplish, and um, you know, in a lot of ways, my goals has become her goals, and her goals has become my goals, and so being married, I think it simplified my life in a lot of ways, and has allowed me to excel not only in um, in basketball, but it kind of in life in general as well.
1: Mm. I think that's very well said. So, uh very,
4: very I well said.
3: I I have heard about a very uh competitive aggressive uh board game that's played at Spencer Nelson's house. Is she just as competitive as you are uh when it comes to all different aspects?
4: She is. She has a competitive spirit for sure. She's also a really um you know, she's a sweetheart. She has a lot of tenderness to her and so she doesn't want to hurt feelings as opposed to where if I'm playing a game, I don't care <laughs> if we're family and your feelings get hurt. Like I'll say sorry after, but in the moment, and she's much more aware, which I think has been good for me as well. But she's definitely competitive in the board games or she's a great pickleball player. She grew up learning tennis Um and she did cheer as well. And so she's an athlete and she's picked up pickleball really well and, and she'll beat me and humble me in that every now and again. So it's it's a lot of fun.
1: Stephen, how hard was it to put off your college dreams and aspirations for two years to go serve a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints? I, how What goes into a decision when you're a high-level athlete like that and your body is high-functioning and in your mind you're thinking, all right, I'm going to go serve God for two years – how hard was that decision and how much did it affect you taking two years off to serve for the church other than rather than playing college basketball at the time?
4: Yeah. Um, it was definitely uh, a tough decision. I think it got tougher as it got closer um, with just the different things surrounding my future at Utah State with coaching changes and different things. Um, and it came down to a lot of prayer and a lot of You know, communication with my family and uh, really deciding on what is going to be best, not only for my uh, basketball career, but for my future and what things can the mission offer me that I wouldn't be able to ever experience again. And so it was difficult thinking about the, the realm that I don't know how often I'm going to be able to work out, how many shots I'm going to be able to get up. Uh, fortunately enough, for me, I did go to Indiana, and so people there love basketball, and I was able to really connect myself well with a lot of the people we were teaching or members and create lasting relationships through basketball and through you know my testimony of our Savior Jesus Christ and his restored gospel and so it was a an amazing experience and I was told in the m t c actually uh I was asked by one of the leaders and in an interview, what's the hardest thing about serving a mission? And I hadn't really thought about how hard it was to leave college basketball, but I opened up to him about how I left a scholarship and decided to serve two years. And, um, you know, it was a really, uh, tender moment. He told me that, uh, he believed that by me putting God first, God will then put me first in life and allow me to have success that I wouldn't have otherwise had without making sure that I had God first in my life. And so as I got home, I tried to always, Remember that. Although I'm not as dedicated to my service as I was as a two-year missionary, and I think very few of us ever are after those two years of service, as we're so dedicated and committed to it. Um, I've always tried to still remember of the importance of putting God first and and how He'll, you know, provide means and blessings as as that happens. And I've seen it. I definitely have with it. Whether it's my marriage or the opportunities I'm having here at Utah State and the experiences, the people I'm meeting, I can see God's hand in my life every single day. And so I'm eternally grateful for the fact that I did decide to serve a mission and, and put off basketball for those two years. And um, everybody's mission experience is going to be different, but I can guarantee for all of the youth out there playing sports and um, you know, pondering about whether they should serve a mission, it's going to be a very meaningful and positive experience for your future.
3: So you commit to Tim Duryea. Um, Tim Durier gets uh-huh. that staff gets let go um, either right before or during your mission. Uh, you come back and play one year for Craig Smith, and then he goes to Utah, and then uh, you get a new coaching staff in Ryan Odom. So essentially you've worked with three different coaching staffs already throughout your career at Utah State, and you still have, I believe technically, still two years of eligibility left. You you've had opportunities, I'm sure, in the transfer portal, and, and I don't know if anybody would have blamed you uh, considering all the upheaval that you've had to endure. What is it about Utah State and that university and that community that said, no, this is regardless of coaches, this is where I want to play college basketball?
4: Yeah, it's definitely been uh, a hectic time in some instances, but at the same time, it's the people. I think it's the relationships that I've built and the trust that I have in some individuals that I know have been here and will stay here. And um, I have faith in the fact that Utah state is a brand and an institution that I want to represent. And I want to build. I think that a lot of the times when things like the transfer portal or name image and likeness offers or things like that get talked about, a lot of the things I think about is how, you know, 10, 20 years down the road, I want to be able to come back to Logan and, be, be an Aggie, and I want to be able to support the program and the institution, and have an impact beyond just the, the few years that I've that I've had so far. And I think that some athletes lose that mindset with the transfer portal and all the different opportunities and experiences. Is that you know you kind of look back at your college career, and then you think, you know, what where is my home? What's you know what's my school? As as opposed to I I really want to have an experience where um, you know I can look back at my my college and say, you know, I'm, I'm an Aggie. And so when it came down to different decisions or different coaching staffs or different things, a lot of it was, as I mentioned, the people, I think Justin Bean was a huge um, example of that for me. After my freshman year, I was roommates with Bean. When we found out coach Smith left, it was a, a quick phone call with him. And I, where we were like, Hey, you know, this is where we want to be. That's, let's, let's make something special happen. And, and so that was a little bit of the inside of that single decision there, but you know, as it comes to the future, I'm super excited. And even though there's obviously NIL opportunities all around the country, I'm really excited about the NIL opportunities that, that Utah state is, uh, is getting ready to experience and provide as um, you know, the donors and the community support us as athletes. I think it's only going to help enhance the experience that you can have here up at Utah state.
1: So, how I'm just trying to put myself in your shoes, and you've got the Mount West Conference uh, tournament that's coming up, and then you've got potentially the Big Dance, and you guys are right there on the edge of it. How much uh-huh. does how much does the the thought of playing in the NCAA tournament? Power you guys through Boise State coming up tomorrow night, which I hope everybody s- fills up the spectrum, and then power you through the Mount West Conference tournament. How much of that plays a part in what you do from this point on?
2: Um,
4: I'm that's a good question. I don't know if I've I've really thought about it from that perspective. I mean, I think as the season comes to an end, um, it's it's time for every individual part of the program to think about what's going to be best for themselves for the next season. That's coaching staffs, support staff, players included. Um, And I think that we've done a great job as a team in a way separating those decisions from what we're trying to accomplish right now. I think that during this season, everybody is completely bought into whatever the coaches ask of us, whatever our teammates ask ask of us. We know that it's going to be for the benefit of our goals of winning the Mountain West tournament and, and playing in the big dance. And so for right now, I'm really completely 100% focused on everything that I do throughout these next few days is geared towards those goals and focus and center on those goals. And then, you know, as, as things, um, you know, come to an end during the later parts of the season, I think that there will definitely be some times where, you know, I sit down, reflect, pray and talk with Peyton and then the coaching staff and see what the future holds and, um, hopefully that means that everybody is still Aggies and that we're able to uh, come back and and try to re- re- continue to build on what we have built this season and and uh, continue to go for it. So that's probably where I'm at right now in that state.
3: It well, sounds like you need to be lead recruiter too. You gotta get... <laughs> Hey, I
4: I don't know if that's an NIL job. If they can hire me to be a recruiter and pay me for it, but. We can figure that out. I'd love to be on billboards, campaigns, making TikToks or whatever they need to get more people to come to Utah State because I think it's an environment where you know the culture is second to none, the basketball experience is second to none, and the program is in a place where you're going to be playing meaningful games in March. And that's exactly what a player, if you're confident in yourself and if you want to be a player that wants to play in the NBA and play professionally that's what you want to be doing and so i look at utah state as um you know just a few years behind some of those programs that have already built themselves up from some of those mid-major to high major type of places where you maybe don't have the city life or things like that like in gonzaga or baylor but you have basketball and so i think that uh utah state is in a prime position to continue to build on those types of things
3: heck of a game coming up tomorrow hans it's going to be a blast Go get them, Steven. Absolutely. 630 pregame, 7 o'clock tip. It's sold out. I know they re-released some more tickets, and those got bought up really quick. That place is going to be rocking. I know you
1: can't wait. It should be a lot of fun. Go make Highland Alpine proud, brother.
4: Hey, we'll do it, Hans. So good to be able to chat with you for the first time.
1: Yeah, you too, Uh, Steven. Let's let's not make it the last.
4: Absolutely. Let's do it. More to come this summer and uh, later on this season, for sure.
1: You got it. See you tomorrow. There's the man. Well, he's everything you build him to be.
3: Good dude. Yeah. He's a fun you, conversation.
1: You nailed it. That's a unique kid right there. Yeah. I mentioned the six one playing like six six because in the three or four times I've had a chance to watch him, his movement towards the ball and his aggression at it and what he does even defensively, he'll throw his elbow right the back of a six foot six or a six foot seven guy. Yeah, they'll move him a touch. But as he mentioned, it was funny hearing him kind of talk about it because the way he talked about it is the way I see it on the court. He'll he'll throw his elbow into anybody. Oh yeah, yeah. Now they'll move him a touch, and he'll put this look on his face, and he'll keep pushing. And he's like, Geez, "This is a big chunk to bite off." It's just fun to watch him fight, like he's so big, and he plays big.
3: There's a lot of you know teams out there that will hunt mismatches, and Utah er, and Utah State they switch a lot. And sometimes he gets stuck in a bad switch, and you'll see a big man's eyes light up and say, "All right, I'm going to go on the post." And somehow he's able to uh, sneak around and poke that ball out and get a turnover over yeah. the other way. And the guys like, "Wait a minute, I should have been able to post this dude up and score at the rim." And somehow Easily they're going on. transition, going the other way. He's he's and and <laughs>
1: is he a legit six one?
3: Uh, yeah, I'm sure. I mean, that's what he's listed at, so I'm sure that's accurate.
1: Because okay, because i' I'm, I'm just saying there's times where you lose him, yeah, on the court, yeah, yep, and I know there's big boys on the court, but he does definitely put it out there,
3: mm-hmm, um remember pregame tomorrow at six thirty uh tip off is at seven, and um I know that uh, the Utah State website, they re release some tickets. Those got bought up. Uh, the secondary market, if you go to UtahStateAggies.com and you go under that ticket, they've they've got a link to, uh, I think it's StubHub, their secondary market. There are a few available there. But I'm telling you, if you've not experienced basketball in the spectrum, you owe it to yourself to get to that game tomorrow because that place is going to be absolutely rocking. It's going to be a really fun environment against two really elite-level teams.
1: That kid's special. Yeah. Yeah, he is. That is a really fun conversation.
3: Hans and Scotty, this is 975, the KSL Sports Zone.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome On Rival with Scott Mitchell and Alex Keere.
1: The Pac-12 is like is kind of progressive, forward thinking. It's you know, silicon silicon slopes here in Utah, Silicon Valley. There's mm-hmm. there's the Nike silicone and you know, <laughs> all these whatever places. And they just might be smart enough or dumb enough to do it. Like, if there's a conference in the United States of America that belongs on a streaming service,
2: it's the Pac-12. It's Unrivaled. Afternoons from 3 to 6. Presented by G2G Bars. Perfect for anyone who needs a quick, tasty, and nutritious boost. The 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. It's time to saddle up and talk about the winners and the losers. This is the good, the bad, and the ugly. Now, here's the good.
3: Good, the bad, the ugly right here on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Hope you're all having a tremendous day. Good, the bad, the ugly. Brought to you by our good friends at Zero Res. Get those carpets clean the no residue way for eighty nine ninety five. Call 801-288-9376 or schedule online at ZeroResSaltLake.com or davisweber.com By the way, I got a text from our good friend Jerry Bovee in the middle of that in conversation. Yeah. And uh, so I'll, I'll put this as part of the good. Um, there are tickets available on the secondary market, and also they will have... A uh, some tickets available at the door for that Utah State Boise State game tomorrow. Really? So so you can walk up. So you can walk up. They will have. Um, I'm not sure how many, but uh, let's just say this: if if somebody wants to get in that game, they're going to make sure they get in that game. They're going to pack it. Yeah, it's kind of they're they're kind of in a weird spot too because Utah State uh, allocates a huge number of tickets to the student body. And those are free tickets. But the problem is, and, and the student body has been great. That this, I mean, the student sections, I'll, I'll match up that student section with any student section in the country. Uh, the problem is, is that spring break is next week. And so after Friday, a lot of kids just go out of town because it's spring break and they're going to get out of town and go so, wherever. So tonight. So tonight, yeah. They're they're probably leaving tonight. And if they were me in college, you usually get a couple day head start on spring break. So you're probably left on Wednesday. Anyway, so they're trying to grapple with how many tickets are available. Um, and if students aren't going to use all their allotment, then they want to make sure that there's butts the in door. the seats. And so they'll have a good judge on how that's looking, I think, early on. So if you're up in Cash Valley, you want to go to that game, I would say get show right up there. at the gate, and uh, they will do everything they can to get you into that game. You'll what get in.
6: What if you're a Boise State fan? And
3: Boise State fan. fans can
6: go um, somewhere else. Hey, I'm just checking. Slide a kite. Don't show up here. Go to Fox Hollow. Get yourself some shirts.
1: (laughs) Yeah. You can go away.
3: Um, I also have another problem, and I think somebody tweeted at you as well about this. So that game will not be on TV tomorrow. It will be a Mountain West Network game, which means yours truly and audio will be going over the internet feed for that bad boy.
1: Yeah, that's going to be a problem.
3: You know there's going to be a lot, of, a lot of eyes and a
1: lot of ears on that game. You're going to get chewed out. Don't <laughs> Can we get some catchphrases? Yeah, don't, don't ruin it for Utah's hat. Idaho? Yeah. Don't get us blocked. Because you,
3: you, you, you know the trouble I had last year with Wyoming.
1: Yeah, it was bad. I got in trouble. Yeah, we got a bad email. Oh yeah, for that broadcast. For yes, that I broadcast, when you I, got your hands spank.
3: Yeah, when I said something, and I, you know, I didn't really know that that My game was offices. Uh, yeah, there were many, and uh, yeah, Jerry had to be the deliverer of bad news. You know, when you say something along the lines of the best view of Laramie is in the rearview mirror, you probably
6: shouldn't say that in a broadcast that's being watched in Laramie, Wyoming. Or you talk about the residents' you know, dental hygiene.
1: So, so are we going to get bipartisan, Scotty? Well, no.
6: Okay. So, how I'm asking you? I say no. As part of the good, like no, should you I be lean
5: into it? Should
3: I be down the middle, broadcaster no, on this no, one, or should I just go full out troll mode? Go full troll mode, Aggie, and then wait for the ramifications of that afterwards. Because you know, you Bronco. I didn't know. You know, Bronco fans are going to lose their mind if I go full out heel
6: in this thing, especially if Utah State wins. Oh, and especially if they win, you have to. I don't even care. If they're losing. Fine.
3: I mean, this isn't Colorado State. This isn't Nevada. This is Boise. And you know my feelings about that. that That's
1: why I'm saying. You're going to get us banned from Utah's hat, (laughs) which is better than what I used to call it. Which is funny because we're Idaho natives. I know. But I just don't want to hear Scotty say, Stephen Ashworth takes the ball, the top of the arc, knocks down the three. But it was a solid effort in contestation. (laughs) by Brock Diederker. But those to, Broncos
3: tried really hard, they doggone are it. Trying. <laughs> Get his
1: hand in the face and disrupt the shot.
3: I'll
6: tell you what, and this they're Boise, Boise really squad hustling. is pretty Or good. can I
3: say, like, you know, they've got uh, Max Rice, who plays for Boise State. He drives into the lane, much like the wonderful CDL program that they offer at Boise State. If you want to be a truck driver, that's the school for you.
1: <laughs> oh, I, I kind of like that. Don't. I I want you to keep this job. I, I want you to continue to be the voice of the Aggies. And you know that you've got a folder. There's a oh, folder. Yeah, but that no, will here Utah
6: State fans to you so much if you just go double it,
1: barrel. Yeah, but it doesn't even matter if he's not allowed to call the games because he's got a Mount West Conference folder. And they'll pull out the folder and be like, is it Gerard? Yeah, how's it spelled? Are you sure it's not Gerard? Yeah, it's Gerard. They yeah, it's like Godard to me. It would be
3: <laughs> not McGraward. It, it, it would be a lifetime achievement award. There, there, there have been some 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 issues. Play it cool, man. Uh, see, that was not the advice I was thinking I was going to
6: give from you. Play it cool, but you could do it subtly. You could still like, man, re- you get an iPhone and you're so mature now. What is going on? <laughs> yeah. You're regal.
1: I'm not. No, but things are things are going good here with the old iPhone. Feeling pretty good making good, about good it. decisions. You know who, you know who doesn't have
3: access to good cell service? Those in Boise. Fact.
1: That's the truth. That is the truth. They're dropping calls all over the place. Just don't get yourself in trouble. Don't. Oh man, who are Play you? Play it cool, man. Don't go chasing criminals and get yourself shot <coughs> like you did last time in <laughs> Vegas. So what you're saying is be like I was in Vegas and just give up. <laughs> just yell.
6: Just know your role. Help. Help I <laughs> didn't yell help. Oh yeah. I yelled hey. <laughs> hey. <Help>. hey. Hey. Hey.
3: <laughs> oh man, I know I shouldn't tell you guys stories.
1: Anymore. You forgot to pay. Hey. Hey, get back here, sir. I'm sure it was an oversight, ma'am. I'm sure. He,
3: I'm sure he's running to go get his wallet right now. That's exactly what's happening. You stay here. I've got to go. He'll be back. Yeah. All right, Hans and Scotty. There's you good. Let's uh, let's get to the bad. Now the bad. Well, Hans. Um, and again, I, this is has a chance to just be a blip on the radar screen. But unfortunately for the Utah women's basketball team, upset. In the first round, in the quarterfinals of the uh, uh, Pac-12 uh, championship in the tournament, they lose to Washington State last night 66-58. to 58. They were outscored by 16 points in the third quarter, 27-11. to 11. Tried to come back and rally in the fourth, but just couldn't get over the hump. And so the regular season for the third-ranked University of Utah women's basketball team is over. That probably drops them off the... From getting a number one seed, they're still probably a two seed, and they'll be fine. If you remember right, Lloyd, if you can correct me if I'm this on this when uh, Rick Majeris University of Utah team went to the national championship game, I think they lost in the first round of the WAC tournament that year. So did they really? Yeah. Hmm. So I wouldn't be overly concerned about this. In fact, maybe gives you a couple extra days to prepare and rest up for the tournament that actually matters. But still, surprising loss for the Utah women's basketball team. Well, Washington
1: State went out there and put some shots out there. Shot nearly 50% from three.
6: The one thing I will say that I've gathered from this is Coach Roberts comes on with us. They win. Ooh. Goes on DJ and PK. Oh. They lose. That is an excellent Was point
1: Was she on you? with DJ and PK? Yeah. For this? <laughs> on yeah, Monday. Like two
6: days ago. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> on you, with us? Did you they not, win. Did you not send them a warning on that? I should have. <laughs> I should have. It's my bad. Okay, well, we probably ought to get her on before tournament play so we can reboot the luck and energy. Oh, boy. I had no idea that happened. Our apologies to the University of Utah. So I actually feel like
3: if there are Utah fans angry right now, be angry at us. Yeah. That's our fault.
1: We dropped the ball. But it will not happen again. We will find a way to get Coach Roberts on before the NCAA tournament. Yeah. That is a real bummer. But there were some... Girls on that Washington State team that shot lights out, holy moly
3: that's the beauty of tournament basketball on any given night somebody goes supernova and it just and and you you just never know how to handle it how to deal with it and it's just it wrecks everything
1: well, get ready for tournament play girls
3: all right there's your bad let 's get to the ugly, and of course the ugly. <laughs> I don't know why this makes me laugh. I don't
1: either. Imagine if this actually happened in a real league. Well, that's what is kind of freaky about it. So, this is a big story coming out of the XFL. I I don't know how many people are watching it. Well, actually, we have an idea. And it's half as many of people that were watching it in week one. Quarterback Quentin Dormady, who played for Tennessee. He's with the Orlando Guardians. Orlando has... Gotten off to a terrible start. They're 0-2, and they've been outscored 63-24 in their two games. Almost as if the other team knew what was coming. Well, Scotty, funny you might say that because that very well could be the case. Turns out Quentin Dormady was giving the opponents plays from his own playbook and his team's playbook. Quentin Dormady was sharing the team's plays with the opponent. And it was showing on the field so much so that I think people were getting suspicious as to why there was somebody around every corner that they tried to turn. Could you imagine you're playing a game and you think you've got something put together and you go to turn the corner on, let's just say, a fly sweep. And you're yeah. like, we got them right where we want them. And you go to turn the corner, you're lengthening, it, and a corner steps up and hits you by the line of scrimmage. Sounds like a Raiders-Buccaneers Super Bowl. Very much so.
3: <laughs> Tell me more. Well, that's when uh, um, uh, John Gruden went to Tampa Bay and Bill Callahan didn't change any of the uh, play calls or anything like oh, that. The audibles. Calls of the line. And he heard it <laughs> and they, all. And you he heard all stop or not all stop, but, uh, you know, uh, who's John Lynch and Warren Sapp and those guys like they didn't change anything.
1: We prepared for it and they did exactly what we they thought. Oh, my gosh. No, we didn't have a like, playbook. We just had no. what they did in the past. Yeah. And it made it easy. That's one thing that Peyton Manning had such brilliance in that area. Because he would make it look like you think you know what yeah. he's doing. And you hear the calls that you've heard for six years, seven years, and you're thinking, got him. And then it's not that. Yeah. And then you look like a real idiot. But Quentin
6: Dormady, Not has, a great way to start this, uh, restart this, this league again. He, having this, to put in question no. the. No. The validity of games.
1: <laughs> no, but I will tell you that the Orlando Guardians made it a very quick exit for Quentin Dormady after finding out that he was sharing the playbook with the opposing team. They said, you're done.
3: So was it because of get ga- out. Was it gambling issues? Or what do you think? Was, there? was he just getting payouts from the other team?
1: There hasn't been a, an answer to that yet, Scotty. But I do think that we're going to get an answer to that. Why he was doing what he was doing. It's really an ugly exit. And you're right. If this was the NFL, this would be the biggest story in the country right now. Oh, yeah. I mean, it would be be criminal proceedings. Yes. Yep. Speaking of the XFL, they averaged 1.3 million viewers in week one. Solid. They averaged 655,000 in week two. Not so much.
6: We'll see what happens. So, that right there tells me three. that people were like excited to have football back. They're like, oh, yeah, football's back. And they're like,
1: oh. Uh, football's not back. Not good football. Mm, not good. There were some good things and there's some fun things to see, but it's not the NFL. But have you heard some of the rumblings of the NFL partnering with the XFL and making it their G League? Uh, yeah, that's, I've heard that. Here's the problem. The NFL doesn't need a G League.
3: No, it's called college football.
1: It's called college
3: football. They don't have to pay for it. Yeah.
1: They don't have to partner with it. They don't have to share any of the pie. They well, don't have to provide any of the equipment or any of the venue. They don't have to do any of that. Yeah. Because they don't have to because college does it for them.
3: That's why they are very big into the collective bargaining agreement of you need to spend three years in college before you can come to the NFL.
1: Because that's our G
3: League. Yes. Yes. Uh, wasn't there rumors back in the day? Did you guys hear stuff in the AFL that the NFL was going to come in and do some partnering?
1: Uh, absolutely. And that's why they took it from a two way game to a one way game. Yeah. And then they did that my final year, and then they did it for two years after that, and it was it disbanded. Yeah. Because the NFL, I guess, didn't have an interest in it. They're like, hey, we'll change everything for you. We'll make it an NFL indoor eight man. Okay, great. And you do it. They're like, we don't need you or want So you're going to give us some money now, right? Uh, no, we're not doing that. You're going to back us, right? No. You're going to help us with this TV contract? No. You're going to help us with these salaries? No. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're going to have to shut down. You you screwed up the whole game. I, oh, okay. All
3: right. Well, darn. Doggone it. <laughs> All right. Coming up next, whole world news. And then uh, the great Craig Bullerjack joins us at 205 right here on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone.
2: This is Jake Scott and Ben Anderson. Jazz
5: guard Frank Jackson. What specifically uh, does it highlight with your game when when you get that opportunity to go out there and and make it happen? What fits so well with this Jazz team? I
4: think you know just my last little spin in the league it's allowed me to understand the ins and outs of the game and feel like you know on any team I could compliment you know any player who's currently on that roster just by understanding the spacing and you know just the nuance of the Game and, and how it constantly created uh, new ways to just uh, be yourself. So, honestly, with the experience I have, uh, the last couple of years, and you know what I can do and what I bring to the table, I have a lot of confidence. In, you know, any situation I'm put
2: in. Here, Jake Scott and Ben Anderson every day from ten to noon on 97.5 the KSL Sports Zone and the Globe for the hard-hitting news you care about. Well, not really, but hey. At least we found it interesting. This is Whole World News on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. We've got, we got We've got the whole world in our hands. We've got the whole world in our hands. We've got the whole world! Hans
3: Olsen, Scott Gerard, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. we got the whole world. It is time for another edition of Whole World News. Brought to you by Spherion. Are you a business owner? You have better things to do than to job hunt or scramble to find your next great hire. Let Spherion staffing and recruiting do it for you. Visit them online at spherion.com. That's S-P-H-E-R-I-O-N.com. You could even slide into the DMs of of uh, Tim Lacombe. Not saying he'll call you back, but uh, you can, and he'll he'll
1: hook you up.
6: I'm kidding. Dodge, father. <laughs> he'll take care of you.
1: You guys want to hear a crazy story? Always. So you've got me on this iPhone thing. Yeah. And I was just looking at different iPhone stories and trying to research and study up on the iPhone so I can become the best user possible. And because, you know, I I like to max out my talents if I can. Yep. Maximum effort. So I came across this story about a girl named Karen Green. She got a new job back in 2007, and it was a pretty high-profile job. And her friends wanted her to be really tuned in back in 2007. So all of her friends pitched in and bought her the brand new iPhone at the time. Oh, that's awesome. It was the iPhone. Let's see.
3: Probably the original iPhone in 2007.
1: Yes, it is. It is uh, the iPhone first generation. So she gets this iPhone. Her friends buy the iPhone and she... Had a current phone, and she was with Verizon and did not want to switch the phone, so oh. she kept the phone that she had. Please and, tell me
3: she kept it sealed up and everything.
1: And put the that phone in her nightstand and forgot about it. Oh. Well, she found the phone just a couple of months ago and decided, well, I'll go take a look at what this phone might be worth, and it is still sealed in the box. Let me guess. 75K. Very close, sixty five thousand dollars. So she thought that it would be worth you know five or six thousand dollars because th- those they grow in value. She put it on an online auction and kind of walked away from it. When she came back to it, over a hundred times more than its original cost. It went for $65,000. All right. More than any vintage iPhone before it.
3: So if you were one of the friends that chipped in and bought her this phone,
1: you'd be like. And I knew about this whole. Yeah. Yeah, I would would want a piece. Here's the thing. You
3: know she never used it? I'd be ticked. And then she turns around and sells it for nearly 70 gur. I'd be like, hey, I I get at least 15% of that. Because yeah, that's we, a pretty... Un- oh, you, want you would want you. 50%? 15 at least. Oh, 15, yeah. I want, I'd want at least...
1: Yeah. Give me 10 grand for that bad boy. I think uh, a five to $10,000 cut would be just Because I'm right. upset because that's
3: that was not a cheap purchase back in the day. Yeah. And they all rallied around her and said, let's love you up and let's get you a good phone. She never uses it. That's number one. Ungrateful. She never uses it. And then she's like, oh, look what I forgot. A brand new iPhone. I'm going to sell it. For eight. Look, I'm not blaming her, but here's the thing. I keep this very hush-hush, and I don't tell my it's friends, because now the friends are going to be coming and circling like but wolves. But this,
1: this story's going bonkers. The original cost for the 8 gigabyte model was eight gig.
6: $600. That's nothing compared to what they're going for here's now. Here's
1: a quote from the auctioneer. To discover an original first-release model from 2007, still brand new, with its factory seal intact, is truly remarkable. The great story behind it is just the icing on the cake. Bidding started at $2,500, ratcheted up quickly during the 27 rounds of bidding, and it eventually hit that $65,000 mark. The great story of how her friends, like worked their butts off
6: to get this phone for her, and she threw it in a drawer.
1: Yeah, she did. She chucked it in the, in the drawer. Yeah,
6: it was pretty ungrateful.
1: Uh, some of the notable features on the phone, it was a two-megapixel camera, <laughs> it had a web browser, the iconic box... web browser. It had a web browser. <laughs> Life-size image of an iPhone with 12 icons on its touchscreen, so the iconic box was a part of the sale. Yeah. Because it, as I mentioned, it was in mint condition. So how is it, it? Would somebody buy it for 70,000 and turn it on and try to activate no, it? No, they,
3: they're going to hold on. I mean, it'll be an investment. Honestly, somebody will hold on to it. And I think in probably another five years, you could sell it for six figures.
1: That is Crazy. She put it, she said, what's it gonna be worth in twenty-five years? Yeah. So she's she's got a little bit of sellers remorse. Oh, I bet. I bet.
3: All right. The great Craig Buller Jack will join us next. Who uh I don't know if he's on an iPhone or he might be still rocking a flip phone.
2: I'm not sure.
1: And still cool.
3: And still cool. Hands of Scotty, ninety seven five, the EKSL Sports Zone.